Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey guys, Steve here. You are listening to one of our original 26 episodes. If you've listened to any of our new episodes, you're going to notice that we're sounding a little different in these ones. Yeah, there's a reason for that. There is. They've been remastered. They have been remastered. Because they had a really annoying hum. Yeah, I mean, a huge thanks to uh, listener James for doing almost all of the legwork on this thing. You'll also notice if you had listened to what we're calling the Lost 26 episodes before and you're re-listening now, the music and sound effects are gone. Yes, we've we've gone back to straight audio. So be warned, we sound a little different today than we do in what you're about to listen to. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh Bye. Okay, bye. Thinking Sideways. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Oh, hey there. Hi, didn't see you there, but uh, welcome to the show. Glad We're so to... magic, we can see through oh, podcasts. We can, and, and thanks for joining us here at uh, Thinking Sideways. Uh, I am Steve, as you probably well know, and as of course on my right is Devin. Uh-huh, hi. And uh, on her right would be Joe. Again, Hello. I'll point out, also your left. Yeah, I was going to go there, but you beat me Actually, to the punch Actually, kind of straight in front again. of you, really. But... Well, yeah. I mean, if this is a circle, I mean. Yeah, this is kind of an awkward shape circle. Uh, but anyway, uh, this is Thinking Sideways, the podcast, and uh, this week we're going to bring to you another story that's got some odd circumstances that I found pretty interesting, and uh, this is one that is uh, that is dubbed the Valentich Disappearance. Oh. Uh, yes. Uh, so for anybody that hasn't heard this story before, fasten your seatbelts. Put your trays in the upright position and hang on. Is this a plane story? This is totally a plane story. But it's not just about planes. It's about UFOs. It's about dinosaurs. It's about (laughs) sea monsters. Is it about... It's got everything. The alignment of stones. We're we're, we're off track. Come on. Come on. Sorry. I'm giving away away plot details. Sorry. You have got to stop drinking eight glasses of Kool-Aid before we start. Uh, (laughs) All right. So let's uh, let's go ahead and start as we always do. Let's give you the story here. Uh, So the year is 1970. And it is October 21st. And the key figure in our story is a 20-year-old man by the name of Frederick Velitich. Uh, and he was piloting a Cessna 182L, which is just a small, single-engine aircraft. And he is in Australia, and he was going to fly across the Bass Strait. Weather was calm. The skies were clear. There's hardly any winds. Everything's fine. It's a three-leg or a a three-stop journey. So he makes the first stop. Everything's uneventful, and then he leaves from the uh, Moorabbin Airport 
which is in Melbourne, at 6.19 in the evening. After takeoff, he follows his flight plan, and he goes to Cape Ottawa, and at 7 o'clock, he leaves Cape Ottawa. So he has a very short jaunt, mm-hmm. lands, takes off again for the second leg. Mm-hmm. The, the second leg is, of course, over water. Uh, yes, yeah. because he's going across the, ba- the Bass Strait. Now, if anybody hasn't done this, and I had to do this, this is on the, uh, look it up on the map. It's on the southern tip of Australia, and <coughs> Frederick said that he was going to go to King Island, mm-hmm. which is a very short flight away. It's about a 30-minute flight round figure yeah. from the mainland to the island. Yeah, and, and the island is, you know, it's southeast Australia, and the island is halfway between Tasmania and the mainland. Yes. Is that, that, that is exactly I had no right. idea what it was until I started reading up on it, and I had to go get a map. I, I, did, I did the same thing. I, I pulled up Google, and I was like, please yeah. tell me where this is at, because I'm not, I'm not getting it. Not me. Yeah. I knew offhand. Oh, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, you are the geography nut. That's me. All right. So, uh, Frederick was a new pilot. He was relatively inexperienced. He only had about 150 hours of logged flight time. He only had a student's license. He said he was 20? 20 years okay, old. Okay, that's right. So he's a young guy, uh-huh. and he's he hasn't done a whole lot of flying now, there's some strange things right off the bat, which is the reason for him taking this trip. Mm-hmm. He told, when he logged his flight plan, he said that he was going to be picking up some passengers uh, on the island and then on King Island, and then he was going to be returning them back to the mainland. He told his girlfriend that he was going there to pick up crawfish. Well, crawfish are passengers. So they are. That's true. I mean, let's be fair. Yes. Besides which, you know, you you know, you're supposed to lie to your girlfriend, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you're not supposed to. Oh. Uh, but here's the problem. He never made it to King Island. What? Uh-huh. He never. He he didn't make it 127 miles, and he didn't make it. He never arrived at the island, and was never seen again. Which is where things get a little kooky and a little weird and a little strange uh, because of the fact that he was in contact with the tower in Melbourne via radio. He had about a six minute conversation with them prior to disappearing. We're gonna, now we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna listen to, through the joy of the internet, a reenactment of that conversation. Oh, okay. Not the entire six minutes, but it's an abbreviated version, but uh-huh. it'll give you a good idea of what the conversation was. So okay. it's not the original recording. That's no, the no. Event. There are transcripts of the original recording available, but the Australian government holds the actual recording and they've only released pieces of it mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. investigation, for research, people to look into it and try and figure mm-hmm. out some of the things that were going on in it, but they won't just put out the entire actual conversation. How really? odd. Why not? Uh, I don't know. It's it's a government, and they they do things they like can, that all the time, and, and we just can't explain why. Okay. Yeah, I, that's, um, we're going to have a show on that, by the way. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> we will someday. Yeah. But here's, here's the thing. Before we go ahead and listen to the conversation, two things to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. is after his plane disappeared, mm-hmm. he was supposed to land. He didn't land, and, of course, a search was set out for him to uh-huh. find him. Uh-huh. That search lasted for seven days. They never found the plane, they never found wreckage, and they never found his body. 
So he literally disappeared from the face of the earth. Okay. Let's go ahead now, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's listen to the actual recording, or this, I should say, the actual reenactment of the recording of that conversation. This is Delta Sierra Juliet. Is there any known traffic below 5,000 feet? No known traffic. Seems to be a large aircraft below 5,000 feet. What type of aircraft is it? I cannot confirm. It's four bright, seems to me like landing lights. The aircraft has just passed over me at at least a thousand feet above. Is there any Air Force aircraft in the vicinity? No known aircraft in the vicinity. Seems to be playing some sort of game. He's flying over me. Well, the Sierra Juliet, it's not an aircraft. It's... Can you describe the, uh, the aircraft? As it's flying past, it's a long shape. Cannot identify it. It has such speed. It's before me right now, Melbourne. How large would the um, the object be? Seems like it's stationary. What it's doing right now is orbiting. The thing is just orbiting on top of me. It's also got a green light and a sort of metallic like. It's shiny on the outside. It's just vanished. That strange aircraft's hovering on top of me again. It's hovering, and it's not an aircraft. And that is the last that everybody, anybody heard from him. He said... He said it was passing over him about a thousand feet above, uh, going very fast, uh-huh. and then it was orbiting him. And he described it as being long and metallic, having four bright lights. And I don't know if it says it in this, but I did read this in some of the transcripts. It also indicated that it had one bright green light on it. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I heard that. Yeah. And, and what were his last words? The last thing that he said is it's hovering and it's not an aircraft. Huh. So UFO? So, I mean, obviously, well, that's, that's by where, definition, it is a UFO. That's that's exactly right, and that's where everybody goes. Now, here's the thing that's not in this reenactment is at the end of the recording or the official transcript, there's an additional 17 seconds of sound. Mm-hmm. It's been referred to as metal scraping noises, and then it just... The, the radio completely cuts off and the, the signal is gone. Huh. Could it be the sort of noises associated with the plane crashing into the water? It's possible. No. They've, they've done a lot of investigation into it, and there's been no conclusive evidence of what it actually is. They can't say, oh, well, that's metal bending and upon impact. Because if you think about it, impact is quite quick. Mm-hmm. 17 seconds is kind that's of a long, long time. Yeah, that seems mm-hmm. like a really long time. Uh, but no, let's, you hit it right on the head, Devin. First thing, it's a UFO. Well, that's okay, first, but... That's the first thing everybody jumps to with this story. To, I mean, what I mean by that is that, by definition, they said it, there's no aircraft in that area, right? Mm-hmm. So, by definition, it is an unidentified flying object. I don't know that I'm willing to say, like... Space alien UFO. Space aliens, but it definitely, you know, to go a little off topic, they've released a bunch of stuff from the Area 51 Roswell information, and they are saying, you know, well, yeah, that's where we were testing all of our stealth stuff so like all these you know ufo reports yeah they were legit Mm -hmm. because we were testing these self bombers and you know they looked like nothing anybody had ever seen before yeah so Mm -hmm. you know 
I'm not willing to say aliens, but I am willing to say UFO. And I would I would follow along with that. It does. It's it, and that was one of the very things that I had thought of. Is it smacks very much of being an Area 51 kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Something's being tested. The tower doesn't know about it because it's top secret. Right. And something happens, whether it's. You know, the pilot of this this unidentified plane makes a mistake and causes him to go down or he gets distracted and panics and something goes wrong. They have to abduct him because he's seen it now. Yeah, yeah. They had to. You know, actually, maybe they just use a disintegrator beam on yeah, him. You don't, you don't know that they abducted him. Yeah. Well, and everybody says, well, it must have been an alien, and they must have abducted him straight from the airplane. And then, you know, so that's what the noise was was when he was being brought in, for lack of a better term, with the tractor beam. Mm. Yeah, it, is it was his plane making all this noise, or as, as he was as his, as his body was pulled through the middle of the plane, or as his plane beam? was pulled into. <laughs> Yeah. The, the craft. I don't uh, know. I mean, yeah. it's funny. Is When I read the transcript, this is a little dorkish of me, and I admit this, but the description of it, do you know what the first thing I thought of when I read the description of the aircraft that he described? No. Do you remember back in the 80s, the no. Disney movie <laughs> Flight of the Navigator? No. No. It was Flight of the Navigator was a kid in the late 70s who was, quote unquote, accidentally abducted by a sentient alien ship and he has this crazy adventure and it sounded so much like it to me, what I remember seeing in that movie. I'm so sorry to tell you that you've just aged yourself. I know that I've aged myself. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so has time. Yeah. So it's okay. So it's all that right. booze. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now Same for me. Yeah, so here's the other weird things is, of course, as the story broke out, a ton of people came forward with reports of having seen something along the coastline, lights in the sky that didn't make any sense with all of these reports. Of course. Yeah. I, I, I say the same thing. Which well, came course, first? Everybody, yeah, chicken, the chicken and the egg. egg. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Except that I've, in some of the sites, and, and this is the problem sometimes with these sites, is you don't know how good their research is. <sighs> Some places were saying at least a half dozen to ten of those reports mm-hmm. happened prior to him taking off on the flight. I As, mm. um, also think I read somewhere that there was a guy who set up a tripod yeah. on the coast yep. and, and was taking pictures. And there would have been no way, you know, it was as he was flying, it was 20 minutes before he disappeared or something, right? Yes, and those are known as the uh, the manifold photos. Yeah. so Roy Manifold. But so the pictures showed something, right? Yeah, they do. And I looked them up. And well, I was did very... Did you actually find copies I of those pictures? I did find oh. one copy, copies of one of the two photos. So here's for everybody who doesn't know, Manifold was 20 minutes before uh, Valentich took off. He went ahead and set up his tripod and he set it on a timer for his camera to take six photos of the sunset going down in the ocean. Everything was fine. He went and got the film developed. And photos number four and six supposedly show some kind of craft rising out of the ocean and then taking off. I can only find on the Internet photo number six, the one that shows this funny, weird, blurry object, which I've got to be honest, 
looks like a beetle or a gnat uh-huh. with its wing in motion to me. Do you yeah. think maybe something landed on his lens? I, I wonder, <laughs> except that <laughs> they be. say photo number four had something coming out of the water, and I can't find that photo. Yeah, mm. so what I read... Um, when I did read about this was that um, they sent the photos to a bunch of different people who analyze photos for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, and some that specifically were people who validate UFO photos. You know, there are people who are like, yes, this is actually a UFO. So they're kind of, you know, pro the whole UFO thing. And they said, we can't. These photos are blurry. You know, it was it's an old camera. Everything was kind of out of like focus. It's into the sun. It's kind of like crappy mm. quality. Do you think maybe can't tell you. if it wasn't the UFO, do you think perhaps it was the Kraken? <gasps> the Kraken. It could have been the Kraken, dude. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So right there. So UFO. That yeah. is the number one go-to explanation that you will find whenever you do any any searching around. And there are I kid you not, a dozen other crazy UFO stories. And I don't mean crazy as in somebody's nuts, as in, wow, where did this come from kind of stories that are connected to it, saying that he's shown up 20 and 30 years later, and now he's living in Spain, and he hasn't aged. Mm. But that's the Internet. That's the hard part. The Internet is just rife with, I've read some of these things, and it sounded like, the sci-fi channel movie of the week mm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and as we've said on this show before, I don't poo-poo the fact that there's got to be something out there. Sure. I'm not going to say that there isn't because that's just foolish. But some of these stories I think are a little far-fetched and I think somebody might have written on. So On that note, hi, alien overlords coming to take over. <laughs> oh, yeah? Hello, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. um, no, yeah. I think that the only reason that I would give this, like, my big problem with saying, oh, you know, he crashed or, oh, you know, any kind of like, you know, really reasonable explanation is that they like planes don't just disappear into the sea usually. Well, actually they can. I mean, they can, but usually there's like some wreckage, right? It doesn't just like cleanly all sink down. There's something floating or I assume there were like floatable things in. So my own, the only reason that I like can understand why everybody says, yeah, he was abducted is that as far as I understand it, they didn't find any trace of anything happening. That's not exactly correct. Okay. Okay. So, so so here's a couple of things that I did come across. Okay. Uh, first off, when the initial search and rescue was going on, they did some, one of the search planes or boats, it doesn't specify which, found an oil slick that appeared to be aviation fuel. Huh. Now, the but problem didn't is... did turn out not to be aviation fuel? Well, that, you know, that's the problem. I have read both directions, that it mm-hmm. was and it wasn't aviation fuel. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is over time. This happened in 78, so mm-hmm. we're talking 35 years ago. Yeah. And these things get kind of mucked up as yeah. time goes on. Here's, yeah. the, here's the other thing. Five years after he disappeared, in that strait... The wreckage of a Cessna was found. 
and it had partial serial numbers that could be recovered that were the they were similar to his, but it wasn't a full serial number of the uh-huh. plane, so they couldn't say this is definitively his plane. Okay. That's that that model of Cessna, I'm pretty sure probably most Cessnas and mm-hmm. most light aircraft like that are designed to be able to float for several minutes before they go down okay. so that you can get out. Right. They're a light aircraft. They're not super heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other problem is is the current in that strait is pretty strong. Oh. And it's very likely that if the plane hits, floats for a couple of minutes and gets caught in the current, it's not going to sink straight to the bottom. Yeah. It's going to get pulled swept, sideways swept as well it descends. Out to, well sure. out to sea. And yes. then, uh, you know, wind up somewhere but towards what New about, Zealand. I assume, like, were there, like, <clears throat> flotation devices or, like, there were, there beacons were, yeah. or anything like yes. that? And those things are designed to escape from an airplane when it crashes and survive float, yeah. float no, the, right up to the top. I, and don't, if, I don't think the beacons are designed to escape and float, though. I've been in, I've been in, little, in small airplanes, and usually the beacon oh, is not. bolted in. Okay. Yeah, yeah the beacon, the, the black box, I think, yeah. is what you're talking uh, about. Well, no, yeah. they have they have beacons too, which are basically radio beacons. Mm-hmm. That are it, there's the one the ones that I've seen have a toggle switch on the top, which is an on-off switch, and then they have a little rail above that with a weight on it. So when you go smashing into a mountainside or whatever, that that weight slams forward and toggles the radio and on, trips it on. Yeah, but uh, that yeah, those ones that I've seen are, are securely fast. Sure, you know, yeah. all of my experience with yeah. water beacons is on a ship. So yeah. that's more made to float. Yeah. So yeah. I guess I just assumed they were all like that. Yeah. But, but those are the only things that were found. That's that's the hard thing is that there's one spot of fuel and partial wreckage found five years later yeah. that is not a perfect match. Mm-hmm. Huh. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Well, then we go on to the other theories. Okay. Because oh. there are other theories. So there like are indeed. Theories. Like pilot uh, error. There are. Yeah. And pilot error is indeed the next theory that we've got. Frederick wasn't an experienced pilot. Yeah, as you said. He was a very young pilot. Here's a little backstory on the young man. He had applied to be in the uh, Royal Australian Air Force, or the RAAF. 
he wanted to fly for his country's Air Force. He took the test, and it's a five-section test. The first time he took it, he failed all five sections. (laughs) He took it again. He failed three of the five sections. Poor guy. So he may not, as much as he wanted to be a pilot, he may not have had the aptitude to be a pilot. Yeah. Sounds like that. He had applied, he was trying to get his commercial license, which is why he was doing all of this, this flying on his own in Cessnas and small planes, because he wanted to get a commercials license. For this particular flight, he was going to have to do what is called instrument-only flying. When you fly over land in the day, you can see the ground. You don't have to rely on your instruments as heavily. But when it's nighttime and or you're over the water, you're wholly dependent on using your instruments. Mm -hmm. He had never been in a situation where he had done instrument-only flying. Well, so yeah. that's that's a knock against him. Hopefully, he'd been paying attention though. You know, to things like you know, there's things in the dashboard of your of your cockpit, like well, you know, the artificial horizon and things like that. This is you true, know? but there's there's a couple of other problems. Evidently, he was a bit of a maverick. Mm-hmm. Not to make a Top Gun reference, but he was a bit of a <laughs> maverick. He had been in trouble several times in an airplane, and by mm-hmm. been in trouble, I mean he got in trouble with the uh, Australian version of what we would consider in the United States the FAA. Uh, He had flown into restricted airspace before, Mm -hmm. which is a no-no. Right. And he had knowingly and intentionally flown into cloud banks, which is not Mm -hmm. a good idea in an airplane because you don't know if anybody else is coming, Mm -hmm. especially if you're on just kind of a training run. Mm -hmm. That is actually something that that country will pursue, and legally you can get into some really big trouble, and they were investigating him for having pulled those stunts. Hmm. Yeah, and by the way, you know, it's it's kind of a dumb thing to do, I mean, especially when you're a novice pilot, flying into a cloud is Mm -hmm. just not a good idea. Yeah, no, it's it's (laughs) not the smartest way to go about it, but but, okay, I remember being 20 and thinking that I had the world by its shorts. Oh, yeah. You might have just assumed, I'm so good, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. So So that might have been part of what got him in the end, is that when he went on this flight, it was in the evening. By the time he was heading out over the water, it was dusk. It was getting dark. It was late. So he didn't have a whole lot of visual cues to reference upon. So if he's not quite paying attention, he could have gotten himself into a spot of trouble. And we're going to actually listen to something that I found, which is a great thing for pilots and small craft. This is called 178 Seconds to Live, and it details how a pilot can quite quickly, in a situation where they can't see, get themselves into a lot of trouble and quite likely kill themselves. This, what we're about to listen to, is actually what happened to JFK Jr. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers, but oh, it was, yeah. what was that, five, eight years ago? Yeah. It's been mm-hmm. about that long, hasn't it? He he crashed a Cessna, and they believe it was the same situation as we're going to listen to here in, uh, in this little video. The sky is overcast, and the visibility poor. That reported eight-kilometer visibility looks more like three and you can't judge the height of the cloud. Your altimeter says you're at 1,500 feet, 
but your map tells you there's local terrain as high as 1,200 feet. There might even be a tower nearby, because you're not sure just how far off course you are. But you've flown into worse weather than this, so you press on. You find yourself unconsciously easing back just a bit on the controls to clear those non-too-imaginary towers. With no warning, you're in the soup. You peer so hard into the milky white mist that your eyes hurt. You fight the feeling in your stomach. You swallow, only to find your mouth dry. Now you realize you should have waited for better weather. The meeting was important, but not that important. Somewhere a voice is saying, you should have turned back. You now have 178 seconds to live. Your aircraft feels on an even keel, but your compass turns slowly. You push your rudder pedal and add pressure to the controls to stop the turn. But this feels unnatural, so you quickly return the controls to their original position. That feels better. But now your compass is turning a little faster and your airspeed is increasing slightly. You scan your instrument panel for help, but you don't find any. It all looks unfamiliar. You're sure this is just a bad spot. You'll break out in a few minutes. But you don't have a few minutes. You now have 100 seconds to live. You glance at your altimeter and are shocked to see it unwinding. You're already down to 1,200 feet. Instinctively, you pull back on the controls, but the altimeter still unwinds. The engine is into the red, and the airspeed's almost there too. You have 45 seconds to live. Now you're sweating and shaking. There must be something wrong with the controls. Pulling back only moves that airspeed indicator deep into the red. You can hear the wind tearing at the aircraft. You have 10 seconds to live. Suddenly, you see the ground. The trees rush up at you. You can see the horizon if you turn your head far enough, but it's at an unusual angle. You're almost inverted. You open your mouth to scream. And that is the end. Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah, you have minus 10 seconds to live. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so what, what, what this is saying is that... And it took me a couple of listens to really get a grasp on it because I've never flown a plane. But basically, and correct me, Joe, if you if you took this differently when you because I know you've listened to this one prior to yeah. uh, to today, is what's happening is a pilot is essentially going into a into a spin and diving downwards, getting inverted and then going downwards. Is that how you how you understood this yeah, to be? Yeah, essentially, you can go, uh, and I'm not sure if. if they're talking about going into a tailspin or just getting disoriented and inverting your plane. I think that's kind of what he was think, talking about. Yeah, it's, about. it's inverted, and then and then you think that you're pulling back to go up, but you're you're driving. But you're actually, down. yeah, yeah, actually, and so that's why your altimeter continues to unwind even faster, even though you think you're trying to gain altitude, uh, and you would think you would be losing airspeed, but suddenly instead you're losing altitude and gaining airspeed. So so something's wrong. Yeah, and you would think, you know, I mean, if you give the pilot long enough to think about it, he'd probably think, eventually figure it out and say, oh, you know what. I bet I'm upside down. And then but if you don't have that long to figure it out, that's the problem. Okay. Yeah. So here's where this ties into the story. 
Okay. I mean, I was just going to say, I don't know a whole lot about airplanes, but mm-hmm. I do think that don't these Cessnas have a, like a fail safe on that? Like, aren't they made to not be able to fly upside down for extended periods of yeah. time? Yeah. You're correct. They do. Here's something that we haven't talked about so far in the recording uh, from Frederick and the tower. Mm-hmm. Near the end, he reported the engine running rough hmm. and that he was going to head towards the island to land because he was having engine trouble. Hmm. It's thought that he may have become disoriented, inverted the plane, which was hmm. killing the engine. Now, this thing that he saw flying around him, it was a reported to be an exceptionally still night. No wind, hardly any waves. Uh, there's been people who were there that night said it was kind of an unusual night. You could actually see the sky reflected in the ocean. Hmm. So he may very well have been seeing his own reflection. Was there a green light on that Cessna? Cessnas do have colored lights on them. Yes, they have white and they have colored lights. So he may have been seeing his own reflection. So he was saying it was toying with him. And as he was turning, the reflection was going away. You know, if you think about how Mm -hmm. the angle of the the reflection would be. So it may have been that he had inverted his plane and then, of course, that would kill the fuel supply. I've I've seen some reports that say, well, this went on too long for the plane to have been able to run inverted. Right. Yeah, but it's, it's it's hard to say exactly what happened. But it's thought that he that may be where the pilot error came in, is he may have flipped upside down and not mm-hmm. known what was going on and tried to get out of there and instead drove the plane into the sea. Yeah, I guess my other problem with that is uh, the sounds at the end of the recording, like where that would have, or the transmission, Mm -hmm. where that would have come from if... I mean, it seems like the first thing, if you hit the water, the first thing that goes out is communications. You would think, yeah. But I don't know that for sure. But even then, like, what, like, does drowning sound like metallic sounds for 17 seconds? No, I I doubt it. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Uh Okay, let's let's say that this is the correct theory, that he crashed into the ocean, whether it be inverted or not, Mm -hmm. and instead of crashing head first... He skips across the water like a stone. That's going to make a lot of metal rending noises Mm. that I'm pretty sure he Mm -hmm. was. I mean, I don't think that he was using a handheld walkie-talkie. Pilots usually have a headset. Mm -hmm. So it may have been that it was picking up those noises of like the wings and the body getting mangled as they bounce around. I guess the only other question, right, is that like, okay... You invert your plane, you realize what's going on, you hit the water the first time, right? You've got an open mic that's transmitting your metallic sounds, right? What are you saying as the pilot? A lot of bad words. A lot of horrible, <laughs> right? Like, well, oh, maybe. I hit the water. This bloody plane is like upside down. Yeah. Oh my god! Like, I'm gonna die oh, here. Crikey. You know, like, there's yeah. definitely at least one, th- right? Like, it doesn't. There's a matter. lot of expletives that perhaps you know, and maybe he's like one of those people who goes quiet, but you say something, right? You say, oh, it's not a plane, and then you like hit the water the first time. If you've got 17 seconds of open mic time of transmission, you say something at least once when you realize you're going to die. If he was conscious. 
I guess, yeah. He may have been knocked out Just in the Just gone out. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's this particular theory. Mm-hmm. There's more theories. Yeah. Mm. Well, let me let me run a theory by you guys. So somebody said that the metallic sounding sounds were actually sounds that could have been caused by somebody fingering a mic, basically somebody somebody keying, tapping the somebody mic. keying keying the mic, tapping the mic. Mm-hmm. Well, now we, we know a few things about this guy. He was uh, def- definitely. Deep into UFOs, he was, he was, he was a big, huge oh, believer. He was a huge believer in UFOs. Oh, I wish you had told he me was, that. He was a big believer in UFOs. Okay. Um, he, next up, we know that did a lot of research on UFOs. Next up, we know that uh, we know that his his dream of of being a pilot was in danger. Yes, of being over. I'm not, and I'm not suggesting suicide. But uh, his, his 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 dreams, which were, is actually a theory. Yeah, there is a theory about suicide, but I have a different theory. Um, which is that he took four life vests that he didn't need. So he might have been planning to ditch the plane and fake his own death. Mm-hmm. Now, being a, being somebody really into UFOs, mm-hmm. he maybe thought he would at least create a legend for himself before he, before he disappeared and started his, his life over somewhere. He has four life vests, none of which he was wearing, I'm sure. So as he's preparing to go down, he number one has he has a long conversation about a phony UFO incident with these guys, thinking he's going to like use this thing to like jolt the powers to be to pay more attention to people like him who believe in UFOs and paying more attention to the UFO thing. And then he, he, he his last cryptic transmission is it's not an aircraft. And then there's nothing but noises. At, th- at this point, what he's doing is he's putting out a life vest as he prepares to ditch. In doing so, if he's wearing a headset, he's inadvertently keying the mic repeatedly. Because he's because, hitting it with the life vest and whatever he's, he's doing. Because he's putting on a life vest in a very tight and close uh, area. Mm-hmm. And so he's repeatedly keying the mic. And then after that, he shuts the radio off, takes the plane down, and ditches it. Maybe survives, maybe doesn't. Uh, ditches the plane, gets out of the plane with his his three spare life preservers to help get him to shore. And so there it is, mystery solved. And Joe has hit yet another theory on the head. Joe is three for three tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Good job, sir. Uh, that is a theory, is that he realized that what he wanted to do in life was in danger, and he was probably going to go to jail, mm-hmm. well, no, the other, he wanted but to get out of it. The variant that I heard on it was that he actually turned it around and never even flew out over the water. He actually flew to another airport somewhere and, inland okay. and... This landed. Was, this was in 78, right? Yes. Yeah. We had radars and stuff, right? Yes. Was yeah. he not on the radar? He was on radar over the strait. But, yeah, it's a, but wait, here's the yeah. thing. He topped off the tank before he crossed the strait. Uh-huh. Uh, the fuel capacity on that particular plane would have allowed him after, from the point that he was last in contact, mm-hmm. he could have flown another 800 kilometers. Okay, but did he disappear from yes, the radar? he did. So did he just, like, decide that, oh, now's when I fly below the radar? And that's quite possible okay. is that he dropped below radar. Yeah. And there, again, this is one of those things, after it all comes out, everybody comes over, oh, I saw some crazy little plane making a funny landing at this place. Uh, yeah, there have been reports that mm-hmm. somebody landed a plane around that same time yeah. somewhere else on the mainland that wasn't supposed hmm. to be there. 
that's uh, now, so he now that was at a, that was at an airstrip though, correct? I think it was, uh-huh. but it was it was such a little blur, but I couldn't find it corroborated anywhere else uh-huh. that I can't put a lot of stock in it. Yeah, because the thing, yeah, the problem with landing in an airstrip is like, well, you can you can disappear off and start a new, your new life over again, but the airplane is still sitting there. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, he could have landed it on, on a remote highway, but and then and then burned the plane. Here's or, a theory yeah. that yeah. then continues on with maybe it was a hoax, and this one is not popular with his family. Uh, his father, Guido, for years has said that if something happened to my son, I want it to be that he was abducted by a UFO. Basically, and it's very sad, it's a father's last attempt to make sure that his son is still alive. Right. Yeah. So there's there's a heart-wrenching factor. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, I mean, he, he, he hopes that his son is somewhere yes. with the aliens and yes. he's going to be returned someday. Yes, someday we'll see him again. And he's actually mm-hmm. said, someday I'll see, I know he'll come back and we'll see him again. So but here's the thing. Let me point out again. There were when his story initially hit, or when he logged his flight plan, he said he was picking up passengers and then he was going to get or get some crawfish. We never knew exactly right. which one it was. There were never any passengers, and no crawfish had been ordered. So the whole story of why he made this flight is kind of soft. Sure. There's been people who have said, well, you know, it's quite possible he was running drugs. Mm. And it's quite possible that he was in trouble with the people that he was running drugs with and that he was trying to escape. And that goes along with the theory that Joe put up, which is that he was ditching the plane to get away and start his life over, whether it be to get away from whoever or for whatever reason. There's also the theory that if this story of somebody seeing a Cessna landing on some remote land uh, landing strip is true, it may have been that he did this as a gag, lands with his drug contacts, something goes wrong, mm. and he disappears because they make people disappear, and they mm. go, well, we got a plane here. we got to get rid of that, too. Let's throw that in the car crusher. So there's a possibility that that could have happened as well. That's, I feel like those are yeah. both pretty good theories. Yeah, although, I, you know, the uh, the only problem I have with that particular theory is that he does this as a gag and then, and then turns around and flies off to make the drug rendezvous somewhere after just, like, you know, big time putting himself on the radar and attracting a lot of attention to himself. Then he goes off to meet his buddies, you know, mm-hmm. and, and transact the drug thing. It's like, that's not low-profile behavior, really. Well, people don't always make the well, best decisions. This and, is and true. Again, this and is a theory is that his family does not like. They get very upset, actually, understandably, yeah. and actually, when this like comes that. out. There's really, you know, there really isn't any evidence, is there, that he was no. involved in drugs? There's, there's yeah. no evidence yeah. to support it whatsoever. Yeah. It's just, just yet another theory. We've grabbed this point and this point in this, that we've got, and let's link them up, which is a lot of mm. what this story's theories are so well. So so far, the final one, which again Joe touched on, was it may have been suicide. Hmm. He may have decided that I can't be a pilot and I can't be a commercial pilot and I can't be in the RAAF and I'm just I'm gonna I'm done. I quit. There's no behavior to support that. He seemed like a happy guy. His nothing indicated to anybody that that's what was going on with him. But it's possible. I you know the thing that I. You kind of always see with um, people who really want to kill themselves mm-hmm. is I feel like they're usually really happy. Why? 
like you they appear often the people who are like really going to go through with it why would they be sad anymore because they know they're going to go kill themselves yeah there's an end is in sight and yeah we know we're happily going yeah. towards it that's very true so it's a possibility you know or they're really good at pretending or whatever you know they hide it really well mm-hmm. so i don't know that may be a and i don't know either but that's that's the end of the theories that we have Huh. It's yeah. it's aliens, it's pilot error, or mm. it's a hoax. And there's yeah. variants on every one of those, and we have no idea which one it is and probably never will. Well, not necessarily. Um, and this guy, if he's still alive, and I'm sure I'm sure he is, because he and his he and his four PFDs probably made it to to shore Tasmania or Bear Island or wherever the hell he went. And he's probably alive somewhere, and he's probably shortly going to be listening to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. He may very well. And he might just decide, you know, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna come out. I'm gonna yeah. come out of the yeah. closet. That, that, yeah, that, that could happen. And by that the way, happen. by the way, uh, you are totally welcome to be on our show. Uh, we'll do a follow up interview. Yeah, we'll do a yes, follow-up we love follow up interviews. Yeah. But you have to get in contact with us. Yes. You yeah. do because we can't find you. No. Yeah. Nobody else has. No. Yeah. Uh, well, that's uh, that's all I've got on this story. Anybody else got any little bits or pieces you wanna you wanna proffer on this? No, I'm happy with this. I think there are a lot of really great. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot Theories. of yeah. a lot of they gray all, area. Yeah, they all have a like big question mark after them. Yeah. I don't think any of them are sound enough by themselves no. that you can say, yeah, it was definitely probably that one. Yeah, which mm-hmm. I like. Yeah, no, that's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. But I think I, I would like to ask this question. I don't know if I, I don't know if you know this or, or not. So he tells the people at the airport when he leaves, he's going to be tower, picking yeah, people in up, Melbourne, which is not true. He tells his girlfriend that he's picking up crayfish. Now I presume that he told her that because she wanted to come along for the ride. He told her that he was going to be hauling back a whole lot of crayfish, and there would be no room, and it would be the plane would weigh too much. Uh, it's funny that you ask that. Uh, I found one source that is completely unsubstantiated that said that his girlfriend had been with him on every flight that he had taken. The entire 150 hours of flight time that he had logged, Uh she had been in the passenger seat with him and that she was not in the plane in this particular instance. And there is, again... I don't know where this came from. It was on something I found. It was just, again, an itty-bitty blurb that I could never find anywhere else and never substantiate that a week later, she showed up at some bed-and-breakfast hotel near where they lived and asked for him, expecting to find him there. And when the proprietor of the establishment was like, no, we, we don't howdy buy that by that name here, but I think I know that from the news, and she was visibly distraught and very upset, and then she left, and mm-hmm. that's the end of it. So it, it, I don't know, where were you going with this? Because it was, it made it out as if she expected him to be there as normal. Mm-hmm. I have a new theory now. Yeah, no, new theory. You know theory. those girls <laughs> who are that kind of girlfriend who won't let you do anything that you want to do, and you just want out so bad... But you just, you don't know how to, you don't want to hurt their feelings. So you stage your own death? Yeah, I've done that many yeah. times. So. <laughs> I think that's what happened. He was yeah. just like, I gotta get away so from it. So it is girl. a hoax, but it was to get uh. away from the crazy girlfriend mm-hmm, hoax. Mm-hmm. We've got to, that's a, that's a. He was like, no, okay, listen, I'm gonna fake all of this UFO stuff. It's gonna be awesome. You're gonna hear about it all in the news, and then you come meet me in the bed and breakfast next to our house. I'll be hiding out there under this fake name. 
but you know, I'll give them my real name too, so you can ask for that. That's fine because <laughs> that's totally normal. No, I'll call my, I'm going to call myself Viper Six. So yeah. just ask for just Viper just Six. Just ask for Viper Six, and uh, she shows up, and he's like, uh, "Got away with it clean this time." Yeah, maybe, oh. maybe. Well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if you have any theories of your own. Please feel free to let us know. You can always go ahead and just send us an email with your theories, your thoughts, your concerns, complaints, or any other insights that you might have. Uh, that email that you can get a hold of us at is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. And as always, some of the links, because as always, we can't put them all up because that's the internet. Mm-hmm. It's all of the internet, and I can't host it all on our website. But you can find the, some of these links on our website. Website. That website is, of course, thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. And with that, we're going to go ahead and sign this one off. And ladies and gentlemen, we will talk to you next week. So long, everybody. Believe in the UFOs. Yeah, I want to believe, yeah. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.